2: Welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is our good news segment, and it really is good news. I am so thrilled to be uh, actually sharing this information with many of you. Uh, If you're anything like me, here's the thing you should know. I went back to college later in life. This show is for any of you that are thinking about it, but any of you that have children, And grandchildren pay attention Priscilla Rodriguez joining me here today executive director of scholarship strategy at the college boards and this is why we're talking to you today what is it that you should know for you to guide your children or your grandchildren through the college planning process many of you have heard me tell my story of how absolutely ignorant I was about the process But don't worry, help is on the way. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for joining us here today, Priscilla. It's great to have you. Look, this is probably one of the most important conversations we could have right now. One, kids want to know, how do I do well? Two, how do I get some money? (laughs) I'm sure they want to know other things, right?
1: Um, no, I think you're right. Those are two of the big questions on their minds. Um, and I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's it's a high stakes process, right? Meaning it's it's really important to students and families and, and kind of the outcomes um, of their lives. And it can be a complicated and overwhelming one. I remember feeling that way when I was in high school. Um, I often felt like, you know, I was a little maybe lost or I just wasn't sure what I needed to be doing and when I needed to be doing it. I was, I was always a little bit scared about missing out on a key step. And we know that we know that that's true for many students and families across the country. And we want to help take the stress down and bring clarity to a process that does have some important steps that have some pretty important deadlines associated with them, and so to do that, we developed a new scholarship program. Um, we launched it just back in December, so it's it's still quite new, and it's called the College Board Opportunity Scholarships. At first glance, you might be saying, you know, what does a scholarship program have to do with simplifying uh, the application process and helping students feel less stressed. Uh, And to that, I would say it's a really different kind of program. We're really, really excited about it. So what it does is it essentially gives students and families a six-step roadmap or Mm -hmm. guide, if if you want, to the college application process. So it says, student, here are three key things you should do during your junior year of high school and then three key things you should do your senior year of high school for college applications. And it motivates students to do those key actions by saying, if you do them, you'll earn chances at scholarships for each of those steps. Those scholarships are 500 to $2,000. And then to motivate students to do all six of the steps We tell them, if you do all six steps during junior and senior year, you'll have chances at $40,000 scholarships. Mm. It's a really different approach to scholarships. It's about um, using scholarships to motivate and reward students for the hard work that they already have to do in order to be able to apply to college. But it doesn't ask them for anything extra. So no essay, no application. It really is about helping them see clearly what they need to focus on.
2: Yeah, I mean, you really got it because I'll tell you what, the thing that I love about what you just talked about is you nailed what I think is one of the major obstacles where students do not feel empowered in the process. Look, I I went back to school and, and I thought I was a pretty bold and courageous woman, but the application process for me Was daunting. I can imagine how this feels, especially for students that really want to please their parents, want things to go right. So, motivating them in a positive way is just brilliant. Um, I want to ask you this question. I, I know you're out in the world, I know you've talked to a lot of students, I know that you don't do this in a vacuum. What would you say is the most daunting aspect for students? in the process of taking action here? What what are they most afraid of, would you say?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think, um, and this is both based on the work we do with students, but also you know reflecting on, on my own experience. I think you see the most anxiety around the SAT itself, right? This important test um, for students to take that they use as part of their college application. And it's understandable why that, you know, is such a a nerve wracking part of the process. But I do think there's a lot that students can do to um, be ready for the SAT that they may not know about. And I'll say a lot of these things didn't exist even a few years ago and certainly not, more than a few years ago when I applied, uh, you know, took the SAT and applied. So I want to mention one in particular. Um, It's it's an online free practice website called Official SAT Practice um, that we developed in partnership with a nonprofit called Khan Academy. As I said, it's completely free and it's available online, which means that students can almost like sneak in some SAT practice, you know, at school, at home, or even on the go from their phone. What's really exciting about this, besides the fact that it's free, which means it's accessible to every student, is that it is personalized. What S- official SAT practice does is it works with the student to diagnose the areas of the SAT where they are already really strong. So this this f- free personalized um, SAT practice tool is called Official SAT Practice. It's on Khan Academy, and the website for it is satpractice.org, and it's a really powerful tool. So a diagnosis where students are strong and don't need to spend more time and where they do need to do more practice. And it gives them practice problems, practice exams, videos, helping them, you know, strengthen uh, in those areas. And what's exciting is because it's available online, students can do it, you know, on their own time, on the go, even from their cell phone, you know, do a few practice problems each day. But they can also do it um, you know, through their school or uh, have a parent or a teacher create what's called a coach account, and that allows uh, that, pa- that adult, a parent or teacher, to actually be able to see how the student's doing, you know, how much have they practiced, are they getting better on those areas where they need to develop. So it can be a really good way for students to get support from the adults in their lives as they use official SAT practice.
2: What kind of feedback do you get from the students? Or or the parents, as a matter of fact. Yeah.
1: So when it comes, I'll start first with when it comes to the, the new College Board Opportunity Scholarship Program, yeah. we yeah. have received the most heartwarming feedback. So um, the program has been out for about five months. And in that time, we've awarded about a million dollars of scholarships so far to about a thousand different students across the country, which is really, really exciting. And we give students the chance to give us feedback, um, both positive and, and areas, you know, it's a new program. How can we make it even better for students? And we've been overwhelmed by the positive feedback. And, you know, I think part of it is what you would expect. It's a scholarship program and students are earning money for college, which they're excited about. So part of the feedback is, you know, thank you, this is going to make a difference in in my and my family's ability to pay for college. But interestingly, more of the feedback, more of the excitement from students is about the the six-step plan itself. So they tell us things like, You know, I was feeling kind of lost and confused, but now I have this six step plan and I know what to do and I know when to do it. Um, They also tell us that they're excited that there's now a scholarship program that rewards them for taking key actions for themselves. So, you know, nothing extra. It's these are actions that are going to help you on your path to college and you can earn a scholarship for it. Um, so it's been really, really exciting to, you know, hear how this is helping, um, you know, change the lives of students across the country.
2: I know you've got to run. I know you're doing a number of interviews to get the good word out. I want to ask you a question with your involvement in this. Uh, what's the vision? Where where do you see this going? I know that we have a great foundation and please give the website out again. But I also know that you're not done. I know you all are really looking at evolving this? Uh, what do you envision? I love that
1: question. So, um, no, you're you're right. We see so much potential for the College Board Opportunity Scholarship Program. Um, so, right now, it's a $5 million a year scholarship program. I have aspirations that we may be able to uh, raise more money for it from foundations or others who really believe in creating a clear path to college for students, which is our mission at the college board um, and who want to use this kind of innovative scholarship program to do that. So part of it is just, you know, let's hopefully get even more scholarship money out to students. Um, We also dream about, you know, maybe starting the program earlier. So starting to think about, well, you're a sophomore in yeah. high school. What could you do? And could you start earning you know, scholarships? That's early. There aren't other scholarship programs, generally speaking, that start with students that early. But we know the earlier we work with students to help inform them and importantly, inspire them about going to college, the better. Yeah. Um, so that's a dream I have as well yeah, um, but there's a lot. There's so much we can do. It's a national program, and it's already reaching hundreds of thousands of students. We want to get that to millions. Um, and we'll we'll make it better with feedback from students and parents and teachers.
2: Yeah, let me just give you a, a little bit of encouragement about starting earlier. The psychology of this for starting it earlier is absolutely spot on from your perspective. And here's why. The closer you get to a deadline, like a senior year, when everything is piled onto you, the more stress you have, the least likely you are to take the positive action. If you could get this started earlier, just from a pure psychological perspective, what it does is it allows for an opportunity for a student to get in the game without there being the additional pressure. So I really commend you all for even thinking about that. And I think you'll be surprised at the results. Uh, thank you. Please give out the website. Last final question, personal message. What would you like to leave us with today?
1: Um, I would love for students across the country to know that there is a new way to earn scholarships. We know that there are worried about how they're going to pay for college, but it rewards them for the work they need to do anyways. It helps clarify the college application process. Um, I want to mention that there is a, a deadline coming up for students in the class of 2020. Um, those are, that's the first class of students who can join this program, and that's June 30th. So the program will stay open to them, but June 30th matters because it is when that first scholarship step, building a college list, will close to students in the class of 2020. So we want them to join the College Board Opportunity Scholarship Program and do that first easy step of building a college list by June 30th so that they have a chance at that scholarship and so they stay in the running for the big $40,000 scholarships. And they can do all of this at the program website which is cb.org slash opportunity.
2: Oh boy, I'm on it. I'm going to make sure that y'all listening to this, parents, grandparents, especially you grandparents, come on, get in the game, make this happen. Thank you so much for today.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
2: All right, everybody, short break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is a good news segment. So look, you all have heard me talk about the Washington State Senior Games. You also heard me talk about the fact that I am not going to the National Senior Games because what? I missed the deadline and none of my partners could go. How sad am I? But don't cry over that because we have two amazing women joining us here today to tell us all about the Senior Games, just in case you all thought I was making this stuff up, Um, and to talk about why why these games are game on and why it is important for seniors to really look at what they can do to have fun, stay in shape, and what? Play in the national senior games? Catherine Switzer, Carol Kleffner, joining me here today, Clint Klefner joining me here today because why? We have the first woman to run the Boston Marathon in 1967, and then we have Carol who plays the sport near and dear to my heart, and we may have actually played against each other if I'd have gone. Welcome, women. Welcome, ladies. Great to have you.
3: Welcome, Bill. Thank you, Dr. Pat, for welcoming us. We are really delighted to be here. I'm Catherine, and Carol is here. Great to be here.
2: You know, let's take a look at this, because i got to tell you, I live in Washington State now, but I grew up in New York and New Jersey. And I have been all over our senior centers here, which pretty much house some of these uh, games that we're talking about today, uh, why they don't do more uh, advertising or PR around who they are and what they're doing. Now, can you all answer to me how important it is for us seniors to be involved in something like the annual National Senior Games?
3: Well, I'll begin. This is Catherine. And I'm just going to say that for me, you know, as as a runner all my life for 60 years, mm. um, I've really realized as I have aged that running is the thing that has given me my strength, my sense of self, my empowerment. And and really, my physical, emotional, and social health. And I'm really excited and proud to be partnering with Humana, who Mm -hmm. are the presenting sponsors of the National Senior Games, because they are giving all of these seniors and me the opportunity to continue to compete. And Carol is coming into this as as a a beginner, really, because she took up her her table tennis late. Yeah, Yeah, I just...
4: Picked it up about four or five years ago. I was at a crossroads in my life. Uh, My husband had passed away. I lost my uh, full-time job. And I had to re-examine and figure out who is it that I am and what do I want to do with my life. I, I, I started playing a little bit of ping pong. I fell in love with the sport. And then I got tired of losing. So I got serious and got some coaching.
2: <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> and that led me to, uh, to the uh, National Senior Games. And this will be my second games. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to competing with 13,000 other grateful athletes. There in
3: Albuquerque. Isn't that amazing? I mean, 13,000 athletes, and they're all over age 50, they're competing in 20 different sports. It's the world's largest multi sport event for seniors. it's Uh, We're really excited and privileged to be there, and we really would love you to watch your calendar so you can qualify and come next
2: time. Well, I am. I mean, I I don't know. I'm the Washington State champ in in my age category and also uh, mixed doubles and doubles in the age 52 category. So I was ready to go, and my partners couldn't make it. And I just thought, okay, I'll get it next time. But I want to talk about what you guys are talking about, because here's what I don't want people listening to this to miss. Getting involved in something that, that builds levels of empowerment, that builds level of confidence, that, that gets you in a place where you feel great, uh, that challenges you. I think we don't talk enough about this as seniors. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here with each of you? I want to talk with you, Karen, and then you, Carol. How have you felt now more empowered? And look at you doing a PR circuit on this. Thank you. Thank you for doing that.
3: You're so welcome. But here's the point is, you know, people talk about seniors The way they talked about us women 50 years ago. You know, I have helped champion the cause of women in sports all my life, and suddenly now I'm 72. And I'm looking around, and people now are saying, you should slow down. You should take it easy. You're weak and fragile. You might fall down and hurt yourself. Well, that's what they told women 50 years ago, and we completely disproved that. This is the next great revolution, is the aging actively revolution of People needing to not sit on the sofa and worry about falling down. Get off the sofa and get moving. The more you do, the more you can do. It's really, really important. We have the stats now that show that if you stay active, you not only live longer, you live better and more optimistically. And with something like the senior games, we're showing that the socialization part is very important in whole person health.
2: Yeah. And and I want to get back to something too. What you've said is so important and critical. And I know you're doing a bunch of this and I know our time is limited, but I hope you both will come back uh, outside of this special arrangement and talk about the experience on my regular full hour show. I hope you will come back and do that. And the reason I say that is it's not just talking about that. Thank you, Umana, for doing this, by the way. But it's not just talking about this. It's talking in a way that says you too you too can participate it doesn't have to be table tennis or it doesn't have to be marathon how about all the other amazing sports you both are going to see there
4: it's it's a, such a wide range of of sports it's it's everything from uh shuffleboard and horseshoes to uh to pickleball and uh, basketball and all kinds of track and field, um, and uh, it, it's uh, and and walking, you know, uh, uh, w- a race walking, which is a great entry level for someone who has not
3: uh, has not been an athlete all their lives. But Pat, also, people have got to realize that. Those they, maybe they're intimidated about like entering a competition. Well, yes. listen, it, it's really not about that. It basically, what you need to do is say, Hey, listen, you know, it's not about being a marathon runner or a really good ping pong player, it's about just taking that first step. So, get off the sofa and get out the door, just yeah, embrace yeah. movement and say hi to your neighbors and engage in the community. That is critically important.
2: And I just want to, I just want to state again. Carol, Carol, for those of you that hear me talk about ping pong, table tennis, and saw all the pictures, here you go. Carol, three gold medals from the Empire State Senior Games, women's singles, women's doubles, mixed doubles, right? Catherine, we're talking about, yeah, running, running, running. Still run it, nobody's gonna slow these two ladies down. I I wanna ask each of you this question about your related activities in this. What is it that gets you most fired up when each of you see yourselves in your particular sport of choice? Catherine, you wanna start and then we'll go to carrot. Sure, there there are two
3: things. The most important thing for me that really fires me up Is passing on what I know and inspiring somebody else. And whether it's women or whether it's older people, you know, if I can get them to move and believe in themselves, once they take the first step, they get it. They get that sense of empowerment. So that's what really motivates me. But personally, it's the moment I get out there alone with nature and run or walk and just get my head clear, get a focus and get a vision and a creative idea for the future. And it gives me my sense of optimism.
4: And for me, it's uh, playing the sport itself, uh, learning to watch the ball in a whole different way, and the focus, the mental acuity, as well as the physical challenge of it has been so much fun. And also, I get so much feedback about what an inspiration I am, which I, uh, you know, what uh, honestly, is a surprise to me. But to take up a sport at a late age and then become pretty good at it, you know, and 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 also to you know go on after a very challenging uh, period in my life and find something that's so rewarding and gratifying, and then be able to compete at an, uh, at the national senior games. I mean, how cool is that?
2: Oh, it doesn't get any cooler than that. I'm, I'm having table tennis envy right now. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, part of this is really getting the word out like you're doing, you're both doing. And l- let's just take a moment. Everybody out there, please go look at these games. What's the website for folks to go to to get plugged in? And I want to say is- this for those of you that are saying I'm not a senior. Listen to me. You have parents You have grandparents. They probably don't know that there is a way for them to get involved in something like this and feel great. So just because you're saying, I'm not a senior, please pass this website on. Go ahead, please.
3: So National Senior Games and the website is NSGA.com. And if you forget that, just Google National Senior Games and seniors start at the age of 50
4: that's yep. when you qualify so, so yep. it's open sure. to a wide
3: range a pop <laughs> <Pup>. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah and, and i agree with you carol i mean i got back to the sport i played in my 20s when i was in new jersey And did quite well, um, you know, back in 72, 73, 74. I actually, my picture is in the history of table tennis. It makes me feel a little bit old when I hear people say that. But I went back after a very traumatic, personal like you experience. And I wasn't sure that after a chronic illness, I was going to be able to play again. And what I find is, and I think this is the message from both of you. I looked beyond that illness and got stronger and stronger every day. And I found I'm playing better now than I've ever played. And I gotta tell you, people think women don't like to compete in sports. I got a (laughs) coach. Because I do not like to lose either. (laughs) Oh, my God. One last question. I know you got to run. I just want to know what your personal message is from each of you. What do you want to leave us with? And, by the way, Carol, thank you for being part of the American Youth Table Tennis Organization. I should mention that. Personal message, please.
3: Just take the first step, and it will give you such a sense of empowerment that you will continue and for me,
4: never too late to learn something new. Never too late. I,
2: I, I kind I of kinda fibbed. I got one last question. What <laughs> Carol Carol, Carol, what what's your favorite stroke? What's your favorite shot? Loop? Backhand. Forehand what's your loop. favorite? Forehand loop? Forehand loop. Yay, sister. We're twins. Mine too. For women to even say our favorite stroke in table tennis is forehand loop. Oh my god, at least That is unheard of, right? Thank you both. And and for those of you thinking, what are these two talking about? Google it. Google forehand loop, table tennis. Thank you both. Have a great day. Thank you for getting the word out.
3: Thank you so much.
2: All right. NSGA.com, everybody. We'll take a short break.
0: Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? (laughs) Really? Check us out go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. Look, for 15 years, since the day I dialed a wrong phone number, you have heard me talk about what we need to do to create a better world. One of the things that you've also heard me talk about that I'm passionate about is what we do to our animal friends. And here's what I wanna say about that. You've heard me talk about this from a spiritual perspective, from a humanitarian perspective. You've heard me talk about it from a karmic perspective. Today, it is about a practical perspective. Uh, Joining me today, John Leonardo, Manage for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Thank you, John, for joining us here today. Thank you, and thanks, PETA, for what they do. But let's get down to the reality of this. Um, Every year, our animal friends, more and more stories about horrific events. And I got to tell you, I thought it might very young age, just joking right there, that we would get much better at this. Give us the state of affairs here, and thank you for joining me here today.
5: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I mean, we're getting into the summer season, and while well-meaning tourists don't don't always do right by animals in planning their vacations, uh, people ride elephants who are beaten into submission, they stare yep. at bears who are languishing in roadside zoos, or they swim with dolphins. And I mean, we know that travelers love animals, and who hasn't at one time or another wanted to get close up? to a tiger, an elephant, or go swimming with the dolphins. But getting close up to these animals, these wild animals in rides and photo shoots and other encounters, it's highly stressful for any wild animal. So today I want to talk a little bit about the abuse that's often hidden from tourists and about the ways we can instead enjoy seeing wild animals without harming them.
2: And I love that you actually came right out with the word abuse, because we don't say this enough you know, we think that this is a good time for us, that everybody is happy. Um, The other thing that we're not talking about is, and I don't know if you do talk about this, I'm not saying everybody does this, John, uh, but, you know, there are stories, especially stories of of animals in zoos around the world that are drugged. Uh, So, you know, I don't even know where to begin with this. Tell us about what the state of affairs is with PETA and, and what, uh, where are you? Are, are you seeing that your work effort is really getting larger and larger every year in terms of rescue?
5: Well, we have we have a lot more work to be done, but we've also saved a great amount of animals. I think that, that people are, you know, it's the 21st century and people love animals. And if we can get the word out about how people can help them, they, they're usually pretty apt to act. So just in the last six years, PETA has rescued 72 bears, Thirty new, 39 tigers 11 chimpanzees and 2 baboons from lives of deprivation in roadside zoos all of these animals now live in reputable animal sanctuaries where they have space to roam and climb and are finally able to exhibit many of the natural behaviors their relatives in the wild do so we're, we're urging people that if they see a roadside zoo or another tourist trap such as like a swim with dolphin encounter to complain to management and you know and, and don't lend your dollars to these cruel businesses.
2: Okay, I got to talk about something that was a thing, uh, John, uh, a, a number of decades ago. And I was shocked as I went to your website. Let me make sure everybody knows. Um, if you haven't been to PETA's website, just everybody go to PETA, P E T A dot org. Um, I was shocked when I got there again to discover. What we are doing to animals these days that I thought we stopped. Uh, Skinning animals is just, it's such absurdly horrible. I don't really understand why in humanity we are still doing things like that.
5: Yeah. I mean, we've, we've made a lot of progress. And I mean, as far as the, 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 the clothing trade, you know, we've, there are cities now in California that have banned the use of of fur and New York city right now is looking at doing the same. Um, so we're, we're making progress, but it's, it's because people are speaking up. Um, I, I think that in the past, you know, without social media, um, without, you know, televisions, people didn't, you know, these types of issues weren't so accessible. But now we're able to pull back the curtain and show people that whether it's the clothing industry or it's the entertainment industry, animals are being used and abused for profit. But if we speak up, we can truly make a difference. I mean, we can just look at Look at the, the circus industry, Ringling Brothers, Barnum, and mm-hmm. Bailey Circus. They closed just a couple years ago after 146 years of use and abuse. I mean, Cole Brothers Circus is no longer touring. Kelly Miller Circus is now gone animal-free. So animal-free attractions are the way of the future. And, you know, animal-free fibers are too.
2: Um, and let's just talk about this. Um, I know that in Asia, and I don't know the specific uh, um, countries for sure, but I know in Asia, uh, Asia that heavily sedating or chaining animals, especially tigers, is pretty much commonplace. And I would think in this day and age where there are so few tigers really left that somebody would put the brakes on, but I don't think that we've been effective in that area.
5: Yeah, I mean, we do have a lot more work to do. I mean, like elephants used for rides, big cats, monkeys, and other animals used for photo ops or other direct contact activities are also torn from their mothers, often within hours of birth. And at facilities in Thailand, adult tigers may be heavily sedated or chained down. Um, for example, in a Tiger Kingdom in, in Phuket, uh, tigers are reportedly caged at all times when not being used to take photos with tourists and they they're hit if they misbehave so the best way to see these animals is by observing them from a distance in nature preserves or on safaris um, and not going to roadside attractions I mean we, get, we could talk about facilities in Asia all day long yeah. but just in Texas yeah, we in have the United States more yeah yeah in, in the in the United States but in, in Texas alone we have more tigers in captivity than we have in all of the wild. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a a tremendous statistic and we need to do a better job, um, protecting animals who are suffering in roadside zoos and private ownership here in the United States and also conserving their wild habitats, you know, in, in the wild.
2: Um, Let's just get to some of this uh, that really talks about the United States because this is where people that are listening can get involved. Number one, I want to talk about what other kinds of conditions we're referencing, but how can people get involved? Because I think you and I talking about is a great way to get information out there and certainly go to PETA.org, the website, but there are other ways people can get involved. What are you finding that people are doing to, to, to really take time out of their day to say, I got to stop this?
5: Yeah, you can go to uh, PETA.org and you can sign our action alerts against uh, urging SeaWorld to stop stepping on the faces of dolphins, to stop breeding animals into confinement. You can contact our action team at action team at PETA.org to get leaflets and to get posters to speak out about animal abuse in, in, you know, in your own communities, we give free veggie starter kits, um, so that people can, can speak to, uh, the people wherever they are, whether it's their neighbors, whether it's just standing on, on a corner outside a restaurant, urging people to live a little kinder and think about the animals um, that may be languishing in cages at a roadside zoo or languishing in cages at a factory farm.
2: Um, I, I know we have a few minutes left, but I do have to talk about uh, what we are doing uh, to animals in terms of how we're treating them for our food supply, I mean, years and years and years ago, we saw what was happening um, as as young young animals were slaughtered in the name of veal, uh, parmesan, and you know, f- we really put the brakes on that. I mean, I don't know uh, if I would have ever seen in my lifetime such a diminishing of something that was so popular, literally taken out of. The food chain. I think we're looking at horrific acts when it comes to lamb and when it comes to chickens and eggs. I think they're horrific and I think we don't know it. And I think we're being misled. What 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 is the truth about this?
5: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of people now realize that you know they make the connection that that veal are just they, their baby. It's, it's a baby calf. Yeah. it's just a baby cow, and it's wrong to be eating these baby animals. But what a lot of people don't realize is all the animals that we eat are, are babies. I mean, we we kill chickens when they're only a few months old in the egg industry. We kill males uh, at just a day old because yeah. they can't lay eggs, so they're not profitable to the industry. I mean, even if you don't eat veal, if you consume dairy, you're you're still uh, paying money to this very same industry that is tearing these young babies away from their mothers uh, so that we can consume their milk instead.
2: And I want to say this, uh, that this is not true in all countries. So, you know, uh, I have a friend uh, born in India and their representation of the cow is so sacred and the the treatment of the cow, as well as the the, uh, products that come from the cow. It's a whole different perspective. Um, I want to ask you this last question. What's the call to action here? You know, John, what do we want people to do? Yeah, I would
5: like people to, to help animals in the tourism industry by steering clear of roadside zoos and swim with dolphin attractions, visiting PETA.org to find out how you can help these animals and consider going vegan and which saves 200 animals uh, from a lifetime of, of suffering and slaughter uh, just for a taste.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are certainly things that we can do, not to mention we're learning about uh, the health risks uh, from putting certain uh, products in our system, meat and dairy. Thank you so much, John, for today. Thank you. Give out that website.
5: Thank you so much. Yeah. PETA.org. Please go to PETA.org and get a vegan starter kit today.
2: All right, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. You know, we got a great, great bit of information for you today. Lee Abamonte is joining us here today, as well as John Sellers. Lee is a travel expert, youngest American to visit every country. That's exciting. We're great to have him back. And then John Sellers is from Bank of America, preferred rewards executive. And so what happens when these two team up? here's what happens. What we do is we get some absolutely phenomenal information as to where to go, how to get there, and what is the best way to kick it in gear and not worry about the cha-ching, better known as the bling, other words, (laughs) the money. And so thank you both for joining us here today. This is about having big, big fun and getting some uh, financial reward for it, right? So welcome. Welcome to both of you.
6: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: Uh, Look, how many people out there want to get on the horse and get out there and travel, and yet the number one thing they think about is money? Um, Now, what I mean by that is not about necessarily paying for it, but how to optimize their investment in what they do. Let's start first by talking with you, Lee, uh, and then John, will pop over to you. Summer travel season, I don't know if it's just me, but I know my friends have already jam-packed what they are going to do this summer. And I got to tell you, that's a little bit different than I've seen in previous years. What is your take on people and what they're gearing up to do?
6: Well, I think that everybody likes to take summer vacation. I mean, uh, it's warm out. People want to go to the beach or um, take a road trip or even fly somewhere, maybe go to Europe, whatever it might be. So, you know, different strokes for different folks. But I think the the common theme there is everybody's going to do something. Everybody's been saving up their, their time and their money uh, all year, and they're going to be traveling. And um, I, I guess as someone who travels as much as I do, my, my biggest piece of advice for them is to... Uh, get rewarded for the travel that they're going to be doing to, um, for instance, I use the Bank of America premium rewards card. Uh, and I combine that with being a preferred rewards member because I earn up to 3.5 points per dollar spent on travel and dining. And we all know that if you're traveling, you're also going to be eating. And so these are two expenses that you're going to be paying for regardless. So you might as well be rewarded to maximize future earnings for free trips in the future.
2: You know, I was blown away by the amount of money that you can accumulate in rewards. And you know, I got to tell you, up until about a couple years ago, I wasn't a big fan of this. But you know, I've seen, you know, myself having my own Bank of America card, I've seen these rewards. And before you know it, holy cow, you have accumulated hundreds of dollars. And I just thought, whoa, so much so that I wasn't even paying attention to it. John, what do you think about that? I don't think I'm kind of unusual in that way.
0: No, I mean, you know, yeah, absolutely. And our clients really, obviously, they love the rewards. And, and now that we have a, not just a credit card rewards program, but also a banking loyalty program, yeah. which is called Preferred Rewards, yeah, right. That offers a suite of benefits that are super helpful for travel. So it has these big kickers on top of your card, which gives you extra uh, extra earning power. It also gives you discounts on foreign uh, currency exchange rate, free ATM transactions, just to, to name a few. And then just outside of Bank of America, it's, it's really important that all the listeners out there make sure that they're layering their airline, hotel, dining, credit card, banking rewards programs. This will allow them to maximize their earning potential. So like, for example, when I'm making a hotel transaction, I'm earning rewards at least three different ways, right? Through my rewards credit card, through my banking loyalty program, like preferred rewards. And lastly, I'm signing up for the hotel loyalty program, and I can use those rewards towards future stays.
2: Yeah. I, and this really points to a question for you, Lee. And that is, I was really blown away by how creative people are getting with where they want to go. Are you seeing a, a trend this year that is different than other years? I mean, I, I have some folks that are like, wow, I'm going to China, I'm going to Thailand, you know, and I, and, and just in, incredible different venues for people. Are we getting more adventurous here?
6: Well, I like to hope so. And I like to hope <laughs> that I'm contributing to that uh, yeah. by putting out information and, uh, and people are starting to follow. Um, I think that the world has become a much smaller place in, in recent years. I mean, there's so many flights out there. There's so many airlines, there's so many ways to get places. And and the truth is airline flights to, to faraway places are very affordable. Like you mentioned Thailand there. yeah. Um, where, where I live in New York, you can fly to Thailand for like five or $600 round trip. Yeah. I mean, that's, pretty much unheard of, you know, 15, 20 years ago, because it's so far you think it'd be more, but it's actually really competitive. So you can, you can get great deals to fly places. And it's a hell of a lot cheaper to fly to Southeast Asia in the summer than it would be to fly to Europe, which is crazy. I mean, you could be paying 1500 $2,000 a person just to go to Europe, and it's only a six-hour flight.
2: Yeah, the reason I brought up Thailand is we have a great relationship with the Minister of Agriculture there. Uh, we have been following Thailand and their efforts, oh, starting about six years ago to really promote organic farming. And so I'm really excited about that trip, really, to go over and see what they're doing. So, and that really brings me to uh, a, a, just a kind of follow up question What is it that we're finding about these? Dream vacations and, and and this is both for both of you starting out with Lee You know, what are some of the tips that you've discovered along the way? And I think Lee for you You've got a website. You've got a Facebook page. You've got a lot of places people to go So let's make sure we're mentioning that too
6: Yeah, uh, my website's com, and I'm at Leah on all social media and I post pictures and, and stories about my travels and you know, there's, there's so many places out there. Uh, people are getting their information from, from different places, and they're inspired to go all over the place. And I think social media has played a, a huge part in that. So I, I think that everyone's different. Everybody has different things in, in w- what they want to do. But I think uh, there's no limit to, to how they can get it done.
2: Yeah, I was telling Linda, who scheduled the show, I said, you know, Linda, I want to be Lee when I grow up. I just want to have his job. I just want to be like, okay, I want to be Lee. Um, but I, I got to tell you, I also want to be John, because I want to figure out how to have the money to do what Lee does. <laughs> right, John?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I would just add to Lee's uh, answer there. I think, you know, plan ahead, right? Talk to your financial institution about all the programs and tools that they have available to make your trip more, more rewarding. We talked about using a credit card that maximizes your rewards, especially when you're dining and travel, like our premium rewards card. We talked about the bank loyalty program, which a lot of folks out there aren't taking advantage of. So they're, they're leaving those rewards on the table. Make sure you're taking advantage of that. And then there's unexpected benefits that maybe your financial t- institution is offering. At Bank of America, we have a program called Museums on Us. And Museums on Us offers free admission the first full weekend of every month to more than 225 of the most popular cultural institutions in the United States. Wow. And these can add a fun and affordable activity to your travel. So along with Museums on Us, and then of course layering all those reward programs together, they can really add up and really give you savings.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, I'm a New Yorker, I'm a native New Yorker, and I gotta tell you, one of the things growing up in the city is just the awe and the mystery of some of the most incredible museums and uh, just art studios. It's just quite nothing like it. I mean, the first time I went uh, to uh, both museums, you know, natural history and art, I was just blown away as a kid. And so I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's a family event, isn't it? That's, that's, That's something like families can do and everybody in the family can have fun with.
0: Absolutely, and, and, you know, in New York, go to the show up to the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum. That's one of our partners there, yeah. right? Just yeah. Bring your, bank, bring your Bank of America card and your photo ID, and you'll get in for free.
2: I love it. Um, Lee, I want to ask you this question. Look, do you have any best or most rewarding trips? Do you have something where, Lee, you're thinking, hmm, this would be something I'd like to mention to folks today? <laughs>
6: Uh, you know, it, when you've traveled as much as I have, it's really hard to pinpoint one <laughs> thing. So um, I'll give you two examples that have been certainly most rewarding and uh, definitely in, in line for best. Um, going to Antarctica and uh, actually reaching the, the South Pole, the geographic pole yeah. uh, at 9,300 feet, where so few humans have ever been, um, was an incredible experience for me. And uh, talking about it now, I, I still don't really have the words, but it was uh, incredibly rewarding. Uh, and, and things that I'll remember my whole life. And then more recently and, and closer to home, I recently finished visiting every national park in America. And I always tell people that in addition to traveling abroad, of course, we should explore our own country because it's yeah. so big and vast and varied that there's so much to see and do. And and going to see the national parks is interesting because it takes you to places you wouldn't normally go. It takes you to remote areas of like Alaska or Utah or California. And you know, places away from major cities and uh, it, it's really rewarding and it really helps remind you how great a country that we have and how beautiful it is.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think Alaska should be on everybody's bucket list. And you know I didn't think that till I moved to the west coast here, but I, I agree with you. We have some of the most beautiful. You know, countryside landscape. I live in Washington State, and I'm always in awe when I wake up and take a look at Mount Rainier. I'm just always blown away. Um, And that view,
6: that view of Mount Rainier from Seattle is about as good a view as uh, any city anywhere in the world.
2: Yeah, people don't believe it's for real. You know what I mean? You send them a picture, they're like, "Did you Photoshop that?" No.
6: (laughs) It does. It It looks fake.
2: I know, Uh, but look, you know what we're talking about today is having more let's just say, more options than I think we've had before. Creating memories is significantly important. But I want to ask you both this last question. Uh, From your perspective, Lee, and John, from your perspective, what is your best tip for people to optimize their finances and still go on vacation and and the other thing is i can't say enough about how important planning is you know a lot of people are probably like me quadruple sagittarius where planning is literally not our friend like we just want to get in the car that is, that's not a great way to save money so for, let's start with you lee and then john
6: in terms of planning uh, this is kind of like one of my specialties um, you know, you want to plan a little bit for your trips. Obviously, you got to get um, some airline flights, etc., and have a loose itinerary. So I, I say get your shell flights basically, and then work everything else out. Because sometimes you get to a city or a place or whatever, and you don't like it as much as you wanted to, or you like it a lot more than you thought you would, or somebody tells you about something you didn't read about online. So you want to have the flexibility to be able to change your um, itinerary without getting whacked with uh, cancellation fees or change fees from airlines, et cetera. So have some flexibility, do a little bit of planning, but know that you don't know everything. And once you get there on the ground, you want to be able to change things if you want.
2: Wow. Thank you, John. How about you? What, what's your tip? What do you want to leave us with here today?
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think everybody knows about rewards credit cards, but I think, What most people aren't taking advantage of are those banking loyalty programs like preferred rewards, because that really just kicks your earnings into another gear and really gives you a great way to save. And then always be sure to layer all those rewards programs so you can really maximize your total earning capability.
2: Yeah. I, I actually think, John, that there's a bit of confusion about the rewards program you just mentioned and, you know, what happens with the credit cards. I, I think that for a lot of people, they think they're one and the same. And this is a big, big educational moment here for this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the these reward these banking loyalty programs, like Preferred Rewards, they go beyond credit card. They give you benefits on your full suite of banking and investment uh, products here at Bank of America, and on the credit card, for instance, it gives you up to a 75% bonus on the, on the already very competitive, uh, you know, um, earn that you get on the credit cards, whether it's cash, travel, or our premium rewards card.
2: Wow, what are the websites uh, for each of you, John? What how do people find out more about this?
0: Yeah, bankofamerica.com/slash preferred rewards. And they can go to bankamerica.com and at the search bar, they can look at museum type in museums on us or our premium rewards card and they'll get all the information they need.
6: And for more okay. about my travels and places yep. I've written about, check out leahabamonte.com.
2: Okay, Lee, I got to put you on the spot. One last question for you. What's the, what's the most uh, exciting place you're planning to go within the next 12 months?
6: Um, well, I got a big trip coming up in the fall, actually. I'm going to be going to Asia. I'll be in Japan for the Rugby World Cup. I'm a big rugby fan, and I'll uh-huh. also be in China going to uh, Shanghai and a couple other cities that I can't really pronounce, but uh, where they had the, <laughs> the forest in Avatar. That's a real place, and I'm going to be going there.
2: We're going Maybe we're going to bump into each other because I'm a big table tennis player. So I, uh, uh, I,
6: I would love to play you in, in ping pong sometime. That would be a lot of fun. Uh-
2: Okay, it's a date. I'm going to set that up. (laughs) Thank you both for joining me here today. And let's rock on. Everybody, look, a lot of good information here. And this is something that you can literally plan for yourself, plan for your family. So let's just clear our minds of the old story that we can't do it. We can't afford it. We don't know how to begin because both of these folks today have laid out a blueprint Please take the initiative and do something fun for yourself. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back.